This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Our friend Sylvia Sage is on the hotline right now. So hot. So very hot. So crazy hot. Uh, we met her through our friend Lana Turner, who uh, is an amazing, amazing comedian in her own right. And so... She made the connection, and I didn't realize at the time that Sylvia was Kansas City when she first reached out to me. She goes, she's from Kansas City. I'm like... Yeah, she was here, worked at Tilted Kilt, started in medicine, started in radiology, yeah. and was working a medical job, and then was like, yeah, this isn't for me. She is rolling back into Kansas City, the case of the improv. The improv on Thursday, July 21st. So we're going to get caught up with everything Sylvia Sage. Born March 5th. Our next guest is a native of Grain Valley, Missouri, who, after working as an X-ray tech for a decade, moved to Hollywood to pursue a career in stand-up comedy, eventually making the move to adult film, with titles such as, Busty Melts, Moms on Moms, Different Wives Different Lives, and many more, as well as hosting the podcast, Sexy Funny Raw, and boasting over 100,000 subscribers on her OnlyFans page, and on Thursday, July 21st, you can see her live on stage at the improv please welcome friend of the show sylvia sage hey sylvia how are you uh well good morning i'm good. fabulous how are you doing my god do you not love getting up at 5 30 in the morning to talk to radio <laughs> You know, I love it more than anything, especially when I got home around midnight last night. Oh. <laughs> but I... oh. Were you out, were you out no, I... a good time or were you doing a show last night? Uh, I was actually having a good time. I was out with two of my girlfriends who are also um, big uh, celebrity MILFs, Alexis Fox and Cherie DeVille. We were uh, in Vegas just for a girls' day. We did some hiking and uh, did some shopping we closed down a little uh lingerie and bikini store and uh went to town <laughs> the life this girl's leading like by the way did you because you you have won so many of the uh, adult film awards speaking of adult film uh jake was telling me your best friend beat you out for the milf award this year yes alexis fox in fact and uh you need to push her for... off a cliff you need to push her yeah. off summer hiking and leave her for the coyotes for... For the last two years, in fact, it's been one of those two ladies who has won Mill Performer of the Year for both AVN and XBiz. So I can't be mad because they're usually my dates. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't be mad when my date wins over me. Um, but fabulous people. They've both been in the industry a bit longer than I have. So uh, it's, it's fun and it's inspirational, if anything. And once they retire, God damn it, I'm going to win. <laughs> so. Well, and here's the crazy thing is I don't see you uh... – 
as a MILF. I mean, certainly you're incredibly hot, but I just, I always picture, because you stay in ridiculously good shape. I mean, there's no doubt you you put your time into the gym seven days a week. Yes. Well, thank you. I definitely do. And I appreciate everyone noticing. Um, I will say I didn't think I was going to be a MILF either, but day one coming into adult films, because I was 30 and my breasts were fake. And that is no lie. Uh, if you have fake breasts, they will automatically put you into a MILF category. Well, I think you, so it's, it's also because you, you've got that thing that you can really turn on that, that ferocious attitude. So I think that also pushes you into that category and that, that more I'm in charge business. I do think that as well. And it's the dark hair. For whatever yeah, reason, yeah. Uh, they make brunettes the more dominant role. And I'm totally fine with that because I'm a very dominant personality. So, Isn't it strange that, that we never consider the psychology of pornography? Like the way that a lot of porn, like they don't show the men's face because they want guys to fantasize about it being themselves. The way they, you're right, a, a darker girl is more of an authoritative figure or the librarian or the stern taskmaster. The blonde girls, like depending on the age, the hairstyle, Everything is just all that subtle psychology. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're playing towards everything you've ever fantasized about growing up. (laughs) Yeah. And and the other thing is, yeah, don't show the men's faces too much because they're like, it is the strangest anger, frustration, like... (laughs) You know, you know what I'm talking about. Where I'm like, you're not happy. You don't seem happy at all. Girls are smiling during sex. They're giving a wink. They're making great noises. They're these beautiful faces, and then they happen to flash a dude, and you're like, you look like you might either strangle her, punch her, or poop right now. Well, I'll tell you what. Most of them do have that mindset towards these women. I will say though, in in the defense of these men, their job is so much harder than ours. Yeah. So they are putting in 10 times the amount of work, and they're working so much more than the women are. Our men are, it's such a small pool that these guys are working seven days a week, sometimes multiple scenes per day. So they are extremely overworked and underpaid. Yeah. So that is the pure anger that you see in their face. Yeah, right. Yeah, and there's no, and I've been on the set of an adult film, and there's literally, I don't care, I know, you know how guys are, everybody, every guy, oh, I walk in there, I show them how to do it. I'm like, I would walk in there and be like, nope, I, this is not for me. This is not what's going to yeah. be my jam. Yeah, it's so much more than people think it is. It's very corporate America. Yeah. I came from corporate America into more corporate America, and now I just happen to be the CEO. But yeah. it's uh, it's definitely way more corporate than anyone thinks it is i think a lot of people walk in and think it's going to be gonzo style and that is just never the case no no it's it's a real business now women have their uh, and there is a and i'll argue with any feminist about this like you can control your own career in the adult film industry if you choose to 110 percent i i definitely want everyone to know that because i think a big stereotype is that we are, you know, sex trafficked or we're made to do things we don't want to do. Any woman who has a backbone will and can say no, you know. So are there people trying to take advantage of you? Absolutely. And in every field, in right. every aspect of life, there will be people trying to take advantage of you. That's but right. uh, this is the one field where you definitely have full control and full say over what you do and what you don't do. Well, so ultimately. We have checklists. I mean, never before – in the world of sex, is there a checklist of what are you going to be okay with right. word-wise and physically, you know? So it comes down to everything. I don't allow people to talk negatively to me in my scenes because I like to be 
you know, the person of power and seduced and that type of thing. So uh, it's verbiage for me. I don't even allow, but yeah, it's, it comes down to everything. There's a checklist, a yes and a no, and there's an entire crew of people who will stop production if things start to go awry. Right. So, well, and yeah. you again, you're a smart girl. You came from a, you were already accomplished and, and on your way to, in a completely different career when you decided I'm going to LA. <laughs> I'm gonna. I got another thing I want to do. I want to do comedy. I want to be a part of this. And and yeah. And it's also you, the unashamed nature that, of you, and where you're like, listen, I I never thought I'd do it, but I liked sex, so I'm gonna do these, and I'm gonna do yeah. that, and I'm gonna do all of it. And if you you can all eat my ass because I don't care what you feel. And that to me, yeah, and literally eat my ass because it feels fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is a girl who knows what she likes. That's all the right. important thing. That's the important. And had it not been for pornography, I would not have known nearly as much as I do. That's I my will thought. Say that. You, because when <laughs> I was younger, and like you know, you meet a girl, and you're trying to talk her into, you know, exploring whatever. It was pretty difficult to try to put it into words. Right now, there's that Head Start yeah. program called Pornhub. I'm like, you know, if you were if right. you're a kid now, 18 years old, you're like, hey, hon, can we just watch this for a while? This is what I'd like to right. do. This is what I'm into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A much more wide genre. And I think, too, that's a big part of what I try to do with my podcast is kind of open up the gates of sex and conversation and, and getting people to really talk more fluently about sex instead of it being such a shame topic that right. we as Americans in general as a culture kind of shove into a club and don't want to talk about. And adding a doctor. So you guys have added a real MD to your, your podcast, which I think is incredibly yeah. smart because that, that, that really does. They're, that's an important part of everything. Yeah, and I what thing I love about him the most, actually I'm filming uh, a couple episodes with him later today, uh, is he went through my old episodes and found anything, any wrong information that I may have put out in the past and has now corrected it. So anything I've done for the past six years will now be brought back to life and will be reviewed and, and readdressed to make sure that I have the exact information that people need to be having, which... I love about him. He is so rehearsed and so uh, good with his studies, and he's so You're so much better than me. Like, the yeah. last thing I want is someone to go back through all my previous work and tell me where I <laughs> screwed up. Like, oh, my God, my God. I if I needed someone to go back. It was a little hurtful, but. Yeah, I, I get married. If I need that, I just get married to somebody <laughs> that can tell me what I'm doing wrong. Right. I constantly fear things anyway of things I might have tweeted, you know, 10 years ago. You know, when you come to fame, people sure. start digging old things up. And I'm like, oh, Lord, what did I say? I've changed so much. I've had so many different opinions. Yeah. I can't, That's called can't growth. control what I would have said a decade ago. Yeah, you better not be saying the same stuff. It, it's just we're all supposed to grow. And that doesn't mean exactly. that you were necessarily wrong there it's just that was a moment in time and you were growing and you're becoming and you and you i hope that we're all forming our opinions still like i find out that uh right. when everybody decides this is who i am and this is all i am ever going to be and i have no more thoughts to be had that's where it all goes bad we're in trouble yeah. absolutely i yeah. agree so you i think we all into kansas city to do comedy and you're gonna be doing the shows yeah. at the improv which by the way is no small feat to be at the improv you know it's a national it's the improv it's it's you know, yeah. you understand, like, you have to be a real, loved, respected comedian to, to be on that stage. Yes, and I'm, I could not be more flattered and more excited. It's actually my first time coming back to Kansas City to do comedy. So, and then I'm doing a headlining gig there. I'll be doing 45 minutes. Nice. So everyone will get a full spiel of everything I've uh, kind of been 
working on for the past decade out here. So I'm just so excited to come back to my friends and family. And uh, my family obviously has seen quite a few shows, but never, everybody has never been there all at once. So that'll be fun for me. (laughs) And probably a little awkward for the audience, but that's going to be okay. Well, and isn't that going to be strange? Because obviously your family had to deal with the fact that if you do adult films, but there is yeah. something about comedy when you really start breaking out this 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 one-on-one moment on a stage to the audience. It is it strangely enough to me, it's almost more intimate than watching a video. I agree because I'm bearing literally everything on stage. Well, I guess in my films as well. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, and my own thoughts are are a little bit more uh, exposed on the comedy stage. But yeah. I tell truth on the comedy stage, and I'm lying my ass off in a film, so right. you get the real me. <laughs> right. Speaking of uh, of all that business and family, like you, every time we talk, you just you never are able or want, I should say, you don't want to have a what we would consider like a, a, a formed relationship. Like you are happy just going through this mm-hmm. life, and that you know, because it's impo- it's almost impossible for anybody who wants yeah. to travel on the road and be a comedian to have a relationship. That that's hard anyway. Then you throw in adult film, and every dude thinks he can handle it, and he cannot handle it. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's gotten to a very interesting point, and I I will say, after this weekend, I was talking with some girlfriends, and we were talking about joining Raya, the the dating website for uh, celebrities, just to kind of see what the pool is out there. But yeah, at this point, my adult film career has semi-retired. I don't shoot for companies as much anymore, um, mainly just for myself. Thank you, OnlyFans, for changing my life there. Nice. Um, but so it's not something I like exclude from my genre of thinking. I mean, I don't want to die alone. That's for one. Um, but, right. <laughs> but for right now, it is just the easier thing. And with as often as I'm on the road, I mean, I haven't been home for a weekend in months, you know, so and this month will be no exception. The only time I will have any time at home is recovering from a nose surgery in a few weeks. So what what, what happened to your nose? Oh, nothing has happened to my nose. It's just uh, it forever is growing on your face. I don't know if you know that your ears, your nose. Yes, you're beautiful. Stop it. See, don't you don't (laughs) want to do this because if you've seen what happened, like like Madonna and like some of those like. That's just you're already oh, yeah. you you're you are fine. There's nothing. There's not a thing wrong with you, kid. Like, why? Well, why, thank why, you. Do you, why do you want to just? It's just it's just you, right? I mean, there's nobody telling you that your nose is not the right. Oh shape. no 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 no! It's definitely just me um, and social media. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> um, I do have uh, my nose is completely crooked, and I do have some breathing issues. So we are addressing that in the surgery, but uh, it is purely for me. It is. Right. It is not for anyone else. It's, and it'll be small. I don't think anyone would really notice unless I were broadcasting it to the world. But right. I am filming everything. My surgeon will be filming the entire surgery. So uh, from beginning to end, I'm going to document everything. And I'm sure you'll be able to find that on my own. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, this is the new social media, right? Between your right. Instagram or your OnlyFans, everything you do, every aspect of your life is now open. Like, and that's a really, yeah. that's a weird way to live. You do comedy, your soul's open. Your, your conscience, your, your, the way you view this world, everything is bared there. Then you go to OnlyFans, and that's a sexuality. That's another, <laughs> you know, for most people, very, you know, separate part of their lives from their, from their career. And then, you know, right. you, it, that's do you, when do you find like is there anything left or, is, or do you hold anything back? <laughs> uh, I, I hold a little bit back from my therapist. 
right. right? (laughs) Yeah. I always tell people because someone mentioned, you know, how do you handle the hater comments? And I'm like, not well. I don't I don't really appreciate people being mean to me because I don't know if anyone knows, but a comedian and an adult film actress, neither of which are known for emotional stability. (laughs) (laughs) Every time someone comes with a mean comment, I'm like, oh, Lord, this is going to cost me thousands of dollars in therapy to get past this. Tell me this. What do you think is harder to take, the, uh, the comedy, if somebody insults your, your comedy, or somebody insults your, your work in, in the adult world? You know, what's interesting is I've never really felt insulted by my comedy. I think... Nobody's ever said anything whatever, bad? Yeah, I think for whatever reason, my comedy more catches people off Good. guard um, and educates. So I feel every time I get off stage, it's more of like a... Like, holy shit, I can't believe those words just came out of your mouth type right, of thing. Right. So it's never really an insult. If anything, it's more comedians being like, you know, here's a tag for this or something like that. But uh, never Good. a bad word in the way of like, I need to change it. So I think it's definitely more when people comment on my actual appearance that hurts because it's like, oh, what can I do to possibly change this? But, but, is it, it but isn't it like some weird thing dudes do that die? That that is, they think is some kind of an endearing quality, like it's yeah. like throwing rocks at a girl in the playground when you're a little kid because you don't know how to talk to them. You're like, or they're some kind of weird anger incel. Like, there's a strange yeah. creep of a male out there that you that pops up every once in a while. You look, and I'm a pretty crass, like male, like I, I think a kind, good human being. But you yeah. know, I, I embrace my my the way I feel, right? But I look at yeah. those guys and I go, God damn, what? Like, did your mom not hug you? Like, what happened to you, man? You know. Yeah, I definitely do think it it comes to the kind of a male incel point where they will just try to, even if it's the most horrible thing they can think of, they're like, well, maybe she'll respond to this at least nasty thing that I say. So it's just some way to like kind of poke and prod to get some side of some yeah. kind of interaction. Yeah. And maybe then if I did give them that time of day, they would, you know, apologize all over themselves and like, I didn't mean it. I was just trying to get your attention or whatever that may be. But I definitely do think it comes down to, and I hate to say it, but just not getting laid, you know? Yeah. So, well, listen, people uh, are very mean when they're not giving that relief. Fact. fact. Listen, <laughs> on every level, you've never like you, you just, I try to, I talk to people. I go, Hey, you ever see a husband get mad or, or, or irritated with his wife or, or his girlfriend when after sex? No, the answer is no. No, there's no. Right. Look at Watchmen. We're dumb. We're so simple. I'm. We're so basic. Like I'm sleepy. I'm Beat hungry. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm needy. I'm horny. Whatever. You know. We are. Yeah. We're just idiots. And we're. I, I never understand when a girl's like, I just don't get men. I'm like, you don't want to try because we're the. We're we're like dogs. <laughs> Right. We are. They are very trainable. Men are very trainable. That's very good. Now, see, it's women, on the other hand, only because we have this, like, colossal uh, hormone switch that is constantly happening in our bodies. Right. Where it's a little hard to tell what's going to happen from minute to minute. And if you don't feed me, that minute is going to get very hostile. Yeah. And and listen, Mike, don't, don't. My uncle told me, don't try to understand. Just try to make them happy because if you try to get in there, you'll go crazy too. He goes, that's just the way it is. He right. goes, you're never as a guy going to be able to truly understand what a woman is going through. So do not try to become that. I don't think we always know what's happening. The amount of commercials I've cried at is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I get it. 
I, listen, I, I felt like I used to be tougher because now I, there's a commercial that some poor little dog has been beaten on an SPCA. And I, I'm literally like either have to turn the channel or turn my head away from anybody in the room and, and give myself like, God damn it. Like, yeah. Well, that's because your testosterone's dropping and your estrogen is rising and you're <laughs> I'm waiting for my aging. boobies. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it's hey, coming when did this... in and now you're going to get these hormones. <laughs> Welcome. God damn. <laughs> she turned on me in a second, Nick. That was quick. That was quick. That was lightning. <laughs> I ain't gonna insult my. God damn it! Now that's that's my problem. I'm just in my. I'm getting my estrogen. Good. This is just. That's what it is. This is You're great. Turning into us. That's, that's just great. That's just good. <laughs> just you know what? I'm. I, I'm You've always just, said you wanted to sit around and play with your boobs. Listen, if I had a feminine side, I'd stick my fingers <laughs> in it. You, know? you do. You just got to turn around. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. All right. Well, listen, you, uh, you're you a peach, and I love you for getting up in the morning. I can't wait till you get here July 21st. When you get to Kansas City, uh, are you going to have time to come by the studio and hang? Yeah, I'm going to try to come in a day or two early just uh, so I can see you guys and, you know, make everything happen with the fam and stuff, too, so. I would love that more than anything. And I'm going to get you guys some tickets as well. So. Excellent. Excellent. Well, look, I can't wait yeah. to see you at the Improv. Guys, tickets will go on sale right away. Go to the Improv website. Go to Sylvia Sage. Find her on Instagram. Find her on OnlyFans. Um, and, of course, your website. What else What else am I missing here for you? Uh, Sexy Funny Raw. Yeah. That's you right. Look up Sexy Funny Raw on YouTube or any of the streaming sites. And uh, hopefully now we'll get you some real uh, medical information on there. So I'm excited. No, I'm going to walk around today wondering how my testosterone is. Like all day. God damn it. Damn it. All because I felt bad for a puppy that got burned. You know, like Jesus You got to feel all those seals, Johnny. You got to feel them all. Uh, I know. No, it's fine. <laughs> you are the best. I love you. And I'll see you very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Talk I, soon. I bet. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. You just, it's going to happen quickly. July 29th is just around the corner, but we got a, yeah, I got a text about three weeks ago. 
from Rudy Sarzo, letting me know he's going to be in town with Quiet Riot. And, hey, would you, if you'd like to come to the show, I'd, I'd love to see you. And I just thought it was the kindest thing. And, you know, Christmas time, we'll, we'll text each other mm-hmm. or birthdays or just in moments, right? And if you, like I said earlier, if you would have told the 15-year-old kid sitting with Scott and Richard, his two best friends, Richard came from a, a more uh, well-to-do family, so he had a boombox, and we would go fishing, smoke cigarettes, and ditch weed at this pond. And he brought in, our, I can tell you, I remember sitting there and him singing along and looking me in the face like, did I get it? Bang your head, metal health. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted me to hear the words. Like, he's really, like, he's already a super fan. And it was one of those life changes. But if you would have told me that as I sat there and we undid the, the cassette and then I went home and, of course, got the album and I'm looking at the album and you're looking at this crazy thing and you're reading about these people and you're looking at the pictures of them, that years later you would become a friend with, with Kevin and Frankie and Rudy that uh, I would have said, lay off the acid, kid. Really, stop. <laughs> don't, don't do as much as you, as you think you should. Born November 18th in Cuba. He has played bass guitar in some of the most influential and commercially successful heavy metal bands of the last several decades. His name is Rudy Sarzo. White Snake, as well as touring with the likes of Dio, Blue Oyster Cult, and the Guess Who, he rejoined Quiet Riot last year to carry on the band's legacy at the behest of the late great Frankie Benali. And on Friday, July 29th, you can see the band live at the Ameristar Casino. Please welcome legendary bassist and friend of the show, Rudy Sarza. Brother Rudy, how are you? Johnny! <laughs> I am blessed. I am blessed. Wow. What a weekend. We just uh, uh, we just did a show Saturday night at the Whiskey of Gogo. was sold out. And to stand on the stage where I stood for the first time with, with Randy and Kevin right. back in 1978, that was just freaking amazing. And then later on with Frankie, you know, the, that... Mental health version of Choir Riot. It was, sure. What, what a trip! What well, a trip! Well, you got turned down to go. You, you you couldn't get tickets to the Van Halen show that night, and you ended That's up right. You ended up at the Quiet Riot show at the Whiskey. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah, I had just gotten into town to LA. I was checking out the scene, and everybody was talking about the Van Halen band. They were talking about you know 1977 when this happened, and I was having a conversation with Dana Strum um, uh, a couple of months ago. Because they, Dana was the opening band, uh, Bad Axe, when crazy. I saw Choir Riot at the Starwood. Yeah. And he pinpointed the, the date. It's August 27, 1977. <laughs> because he's got, he's got the Starwood backstage uh, sheet that they will give you, wow. with, you know, the, the band members and the time that the band will go on. And he just sent me a photograph of that. So that was really amazing because I walked in, I had no idea. Here I am, brand new in LA, checking out the scene, and I see these guys coming on, and I got it. And yeah. how? And and then what happened was, you know, I was really impressed. 
And, 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 you know, just like anytime you see somebody doing the right thing, you know, going in the right direction musically, uh, I like to tell them, I don't know. I just say, hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get there, you know. So I bump into Kevin after their show. He was walking around the Starwood and I bump into him and I introduce myself. Hey, I'm Rudy. And I just got into town and, you know, whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it because, you know, you're going in the right direction. A year later. I get a call from Kevin uh, that they were looking for a bass player. And, um, you know, a lot of people kept saying, hey, you know, the guy that you're looking for is Rudy. And I was in Jersey at the time. and uh, But I had just bought my ticket to go back to L.A. the following week. So I told Kevin, listen, I'll be there next week. And I went down, I auditioned, and I got the gig. Yes. That's 1978. God. Yeah. And that's and that's if those of you don't know, Randy Rhodes, the late great Randy Rhodes, was a part of Quiet Riot originally before going to Ozzy's first solo band, and and th but the time there's no way you know we look back of course in history, and we see how special the time was. But the Starwood, the whiskey, the Roxy, I mean Gazaris, like it just goes on and on and on. The Troubadour, you know the the characters. That, that, that made that world work, the, the record companies, that time in music, the bands that were being brought forward. You, 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 even though you're in the middle of it, I don't know that you could, I mean, there's just no way to tell the impact it's going to have on history. Absolutely. It was a very special time. By the way, have you read my book, Off yeah, the Rail? Of course. Okay, because cause I was going to bring you a copy. I mean, I can still bring you another a fresh copy dedicated to you, you know, when I see you in, gonna, in, in, uh, in July. I'm going to bring you. I'm going to bring you my copy so you can see why I need a fresh copy. Because <laughs> what happens is, I when I love a page and I want to talk to you about something, I, I pen the page over, and so it's it's, uh, it's like an entire dog-eared copy of Off the Rails the, aboard the Crazy Train. Because you know, as a kid. I wasn't extremely popular, and I wasn't necessarily a great student or a great athlete, but the one thing that a couple of the guys in the neighborhood and I had in common was was music. And I was talking about, I remember the first time I heard Metal Health. I remember, you know, the, being terrified, but so just excited about a guy like Ozzy Osbourne. And, and, and those songs were scary, but awesome. And just about the time, you know, your puberty's hitting, all this crazy, you know, emotions coming out of you. And it means everything to you. Like, it's, it, we just, we, we ate up everything we could find on it. You know, it's it's really funny that that you mentioned you know the song Metal Health. Dean uh, has did Kevin ever tell you the origin of that song? No, no. Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Uh, okay, so you know Randy and I every time we had a break from Ozzy, this is 1981. You know, and of course early '82, uh, we used to go directly from the airport at Los LAX, Los Angeles Airport, yeah. straight to Kevin's place. Mainly because not only do we want to hang out with him, go to the rainbow, but also because we wanted to keep him up to date with what was going on out there. Because, you know, pretty much L.A. without the Internet is an island. You have yeah. to have no idea of what's going on in England and Europe, you know, right. all of that. Right. Yeah. Where where there was the, the new way for British invasion was happening already. You know, we are uh, uh, Aussie. We had Motorhead on tour with us. We have Def Leppard on tour with us. And this is 41 years ago, yeah. you know. So it, it was, and then we were touring in England with the band called Girl. We were touring in Europe with right. Saxon. And, you know, this was this whole scene that in LA, that was kind of like nobody knew that that was going on, you know. And, and, and back in the day, magazines took about three months 
for an article to appear right after you did an interview. So, you know, it was all basically old news. So we were used to go and get together with Kevin and, and tell him about, you know, listen, don't give up what you're doing. Because at that time, he had a band called Dubro, which is the missing link between the Randy Rhodes metal, uh, uh, Choir Riot and the Metal Health version of Choir Riot. You have Dubro, you know, which yeah. I, I, used to, I used to live with Kevin right up until I joined Ozzy. And I also play with him in Dubro, which a lot of the songs on Metal Health came from that era. Sure. So we used to get together with Kevin and say, hey, listen, you're not going to believe this. There's these fans in England that they come to the front of the stage and they, they bang their heads on the stage while we're playing. So, you know, Kevin is listening to all of this and he's like, mm, his wheels are spinning. Now, meanwhile, the original uh, the song, what, what became Metal Health as it was rewritten, it was No More Booze. It's a song that, that Carlos Cavazzo brought in from his band really? Snow. Really? Yeah. And it was called No More Booze. What a drag. <laughs> that was the song. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Kevin, you know, he, he just rewrote the whole thing and, and created this vision without really experiencing it, but just by what the story that we told Kevin, he just came up with that. Dude, that, I mean, and that's pure Dubro. Like, never, <laughs> ne I mean, you want to talk about a guy that exuded, like, everything I ever, I, I just always think back to his memories, and I, like everyone, I, I miss him every day, and I just think yeah. he was infuriating and uh, charming and hilarious and confident in a way I've never known another human being ever to be. Yeah, you know, if you listen to the lyrics of Metal Hill, that, that that's him. Yeah, and he and he never lit up on being that. Yeah, the character in that song. Yeah, Dude, well, you know, and, well, you you know, the end before I was so glad before he before he passed that you know we had stopped talking for a couple years and he had called me and I saw seven oh two come up on my cell and I was like, holy cow, that's Vegas, that's got to be Kevin. So I answered the phone. He goes, hey man, we're in town with ZZ Top tonight. It was they were playing at the River Market here in Kansas City, and he goes. Can we come down? I go absolutely, and we had we it was a dumb argument we had, but every argument was done with Kevin, right? And yeah, and, yeah, it's family. You know, yeah. we we'll always argue with family. You yeah, know? and he was so sweet, and he was. I mean, just I'm just so glad that he was. He was definitely even. Uh, I don't know that I would have called him, and I was just it, it meant the world to me, and I'll always remember that. Never, 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 never let friends drift away over some stupid argument and, and over an apology. Just apologize, get past it, and, and move forward in life and, and still love people. Listen, you know, we always love playing Kansas City. I, I've, I fell in love with Kansas City the first time I played there with Ozzy. Yeah. In, 19, in 1981, we played there with Motorhead at the Veterans. Yeah, Memorial Hall. Yeah, Memorial Hall. And I fell in love with the place. I walked the place. Oh, I, you know, I mean, you know, we didn't have Uber, we didn't have cars, we, so we just get out of the, uh, we were staying at the uh, embassy suites, <laughs> yeah. and we would just walk down and just, like, walk the whole city, and I just fell in love with the city, but the reason why Quiet Riot loved playing Kansas City is because you were there, you are there, you yeah. know, so always to get to hang out with you. And be with you, man. That that was really a treat for us. Well, dude, listen, I, I just it, the band is so iconic, and every band you've been in. I was we've been talking about this earlier on the show, Rudy. And if you're just joining the show, the great, the legendary Rudy Sarzo's with us. Rudy came from, uh, he was an immigrant from Cuba. Went on to play in the most influential bands, Quiet Riot, the first band to have a number one metal record on Billboard chart, the uh, uh, White Snake, which reinvented videos. Uh, I mean, and and the music that came out of David Coverdale in that era of White Snake is by far the most popular. 
uh, Ozzy, which was the most exciting thing to happen in metal. From Sabbath to Ozzy and this imagery and this incredible, young, phenomenal guitar player, Randy Rhodes, and this insane bass player. And, you know, as kids, like you said, there was no internet. So you saw, if you saw a Kerrang! magazine, you saw some of that, Hit Parader or Circus. And that, at the time, I think was all there was, early days. And so everything was rumor. And it was all like, is he this? Is he that? And you were so scared to see that show, but so excited. And I don't know that we can get that in music anymore, Rudy. Like, it was... It was a different time where people, like, it was a life that, that just, it was bigger than anything else. Yeah, it's like uh, analog versus digital. You know, it's a, you know people call it virtual. No, yeah. we were not virtual. We were real. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was going on on stage, and even behind the scenes, wound up on stage. You know, that energy, that, that passion, the angst of the whole thing, we brought it with us, and and, and uh, we used that as fuel for our music. Well, and you were the, to me... You've always been the most calm and the the most the center of all of the insanity. Like Randy, I think was very sweet, uh, but Ozzy at the time was off the. I mean, truly off the rails. He and Sharon were either fist fighting or in love with each other, but they were creating something that that could not be stopped. And uh, absolutely, I yeah. couldn't imagine being. I can't imagine you trying to just figure out that world that they that they had because that when mm. you, you read the book off the rails. Like the guy, Harry, who had to punch Ozzy off of Sharon that time. <laughs> yeah, what, what, every day, every day was, there was something, so, you know, there was something, you know, it's it, it, my motto was expect the unexpected. <laughs> every yeah. single day, something was going to happen. You know, you just didn't know exactly what it was going to be like. But it, I have the most inc- wonderful memories and, and, you know, and, and it's interesting that, you know, talking about Randy, the influence that he had on Ozzy, because Ozzy, you know, I, I, I got to know him pretty well. I mean, you know, you, I, I used to live with them when, when I was off the road with Sharon and Ozzy. Right. And uh, we were all together in the same tour bus, you know, yeah. during on tour. So you really get to know people, you know, and uh, Ozzy was the kindest, sweetest man, really. And huh. then he was a ma- for a madman. <laughs> yes, yes, a real madman. Like there's another person. Madman. There's another person inside of Ozzy, and I've had multiple <laughs> friends who, who who know him. Like like Whitfield Crane is a good friend as well, and 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 he has told me all good things. But he goes, no, there's definitely another human being inside of there. <laughs> but 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 you know, Ozzy Ozzy yeah. is the sweetest, the sweetest, kindest man. And it. Sharon, she she was unbelievably kind with me, you know. So I have some really wonderful memories. And then, you know, this this is in a nutshell, this is what happened. When I joined Choir Riot in the seventies, I found my um, collective consciousness of everything I wanted about music, what music meant to me, and what I what I wanted to do with my career. Right. You know, these are the people I wanted to be with. It was all about music. We never talked about politics. We didn't talk about religion. We didn't talk about the news, nothing. We, we talked about choir riot, music, and how we're going to get this to right. the masses outside of LA. So, you know, I joined Ozzy and there's Randy. And, you know, probably the biggest part of that consciousness with choir riot, I am playing with him again. Right. Then Randy passes away. I lost that consciousness. I lost that. I mean, it's, you know, as much as I love Ozzy, we have different backgrounds. He comes from Birmingham, England, you know, which is a pretty 
you know, let me put it this way, Black Sabbath, who had never come out of, uh, let's say, playing in, uh, living in Malibu, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. or, living, or living in Southeast Florida, which is where, you know, where, where, where it come from. So it came from this industrial, moody, dark place that you got Black Sabbath, you got Ozzy, you know. And then, you know, I, I lose that, that quiet riot consciousness when, when, when Randy passed away. And then I get a phone call while I'm still a member of Ozzy to come in to play one song for what, you know, I get a phone call from Kevin. He says, listen, you know, we're, we're, we're in the studio. There's, there's a possible record deal. And can you come, you know, would you like to come down and track Thunderbird? which is a song that he wrote when Randy left Choir Riot to join Ozzy. And I used to play that song with him and Dubrow. You know, that's my bass line. And I, I said, sure, I'd love to. Now, I walk in the studio, and of course, it just hit me. They say, oh, my God, here I am playing with Frankie Benelli, who I have been oh. playing with. I first started uh, 50 years ago this year. I started playing with Frankie Benelli back in Florida. We traveled the whole country together. We lived in L.A. We share our dreams. We share our consciousness. He was my, my mentor back in Miami because here I am, you know, I'm playing rock and roll. But, you know, it's, the guys that I was playing with were, that were more into the dance club scene. Frankie already was playing in bands. Uh, let's say his band Ginger. I watched him perform for the very first time the day before my birthday. His band was opening up for for uh, David Bowie Ziggy Stardust tour. Wow. This is November 17 wow. at Pirates World, and I walk in and I watch this band, and I'm blown away by the drummer. So the next day on my birthday, I'm at about the local hangout, which was the Flying Machine, and and Lauderdale, and somebody says, "Hey." That's one of the guys from the band Ginger that opened up for Ozzy yesterday. So I make a beeline for this guy. <laughs> and I say, hey, man, you know, it's just like I did with Kevin. I say, I saw you guys, and you guys were amazing. By the way, your drummer is incredible. So I'm, you know, I'm telling him how great the drummer is, and he's smiling. <laughs> and uh, he goes, oh, hi. All right, he puts his hand out and goes, I'm Frankie. I'm the drummer. Oh, that's great. Dude. And we and we played together for like ten years, right before to the making of that mental health record. That's what brought me back into band. You, you know, it's a side note. I, I've noticed, and this is the thing about you. I've always known, but it really is apparent even today. You really do take the time whenever you see somebody you think is is good at what they do to tell them honestly and, and with sincerity, with no ulterior motives. You're really good at this. There's another part in your book when you were sitting. Phil Collins was a young Phil Collins from Def Leppard opening up, and they're just trying to get some. This is before they ever had a hit for anything. They're just kids trying to hang on, and he's in there practicing. And I think it was you and Randy Rhodes walking by. And Randy goes, "He's pretty good," and and yeah, you're like, "He absolutely. really is." So you stop to tell him, "Hey." You're you're yeah. gonna you're gonna be great. You're gonna be a star, kid. Yeah, I, you know I think it's very important for every musician to remain a fan because we are fans longer than we are professional musicians. I mean, yeah. we get get into it. You know, we become we struggle to make it because we are inspired by other bands and other musicians. You know, when we're young, and to keep uh, to remain a fan. I think it's, this is the reason why we do it. I'm a fan. 
I'm, right. a, I'm a fan of Quiet Riot. I've been a fan of Quiet Riot before I joined the band. Dude, it's going to be such a good you know. show. It's just going to be such yeah. a great show. The Ameristar Casino tickets are available Friday, July 29th. And I can't wait to see you. And, and of course, that no good Jizzy Pearl. Now, you know, per- <laughs> you know Pearl and I have a long history from, from 91. Oh, my God. So, um, <laughs> oh, he used to live at my house here in Kansas City. I know you oh, told me that crazy <laughs> son of a bitch. Oh, he's a he's a he's a maniac. But he's he, he is, is he's another one of you guys. Like he is a dude who he was built to make it in this industry. Like all he cares about in this world yeah. is creating stuff, singing, becoming a good singer, and making it happen. Like he works hard, like you do. And I think that's why Frankie liked him. You know, and 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 I think about Frankie all the time too, man. I've got that uh, a beautiful when the documentary came out. Um, he had sent me a package of things and, and, a, and a letter that I cherish to this day. Like, I'll break it out and read it and kind of get upset and put it back away again. And just, he was just such a good, kind man, Frankie, man. Absolutely. I mean, he's the reason why uh, I'm back in Quiet Riot because that was his, uh, his wish, you know. Yeah. And uh, to be able to go on stage and celebrate the legacy of the band and the memory of Frankie and Kevin and Randy, this is such a blessing. It yeah, really is. It is, man. And and just the way you, like I follow you on, obviously, on Instagram. We stay in touch. But you live the way I always think. I, I take a lot of, uh, of of keys from you. Like, I just watch it. I go, man, that's how you do it. You, you're you kind and, you, and you're thoughtful and you enjoy it. And, and you you know, your love of animals and family and just everything. I'm like, that's, that's the, that's what you want to watch for that as we pass through this earth and we realize, you know, maybe there's even less time in front of us than we have behind us. You know, it, all the things that are truly important, be good at what you do, work hard, be kind, give real sincere compliments and enjoy, enjoy everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I follow you too. And you do the same thing. You know, we are we are going on, on you know, on that certain path, you know, yeah. uh, towards the right things. Yeah. And uh, I am, you know, it's it's to me, there's no other path. This is the way to go. You know, you go in the right direction, you know, whatever spirituality you have inside of you that you believe in. Follow that. Sure. No, you're conscious. You're, you're, your heart always knows what's right and what's wrong and where you should be. Absolutely. Follow your yeah. heart. Always. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rudy, you, uh, it's, uh, I, here's the thing. Uh, actually, I didn't remember, and I was telling Jake, so we're all huge John 5 fans. I think that kid is, he, he's another real phenom, and, uh, and I love watching him grow over the years. But most people didn't know, and even Jake didn't know, that in Sun King, because the album didn't come out, that you, mm-hmm. it was a kid named Lowry. And, and this kid, like, you knew, I'm sure, when you first saw him, you're like, he has something. Like, he's another one. Yeah, it's it's really funny. I, w- I was talking uh, with Bob Marlette, who actually, what we, what we have in common is that Bob and Frankie and I, we we moved to L.A. in 1976, and we lived together. We had a band, and Bob is one of the biggest, you know, producers of, you know, of modern modern rock, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I somebody okay. So White Snake, uh, David Coverdale announces to the band during the tour in 1990 that this was going to be that he was going to put the band in in hiatus after this tour. Okay, and so everybody started making plans about what to do, you know, in a, with our future. And I, a, a friend of a, a friend of mine says, "Hey, you got to check out this guitar player in this band." So I went to Gazzari's on the strip. 
and there's a, this band comes down, you know, the, uh, you know, they go on stage and I see something happening. And then all of a sudden the guitar players opens the set with a guitar solo. And he's young. He's like, you know, he looks like he was 19, but he looked like he was 12. Right. Yeah. Really. <laughs> and, he's, and he's playing this blistering solo. And I'm going like, wow, this is really unique. This is really, you know, different. So, you know, they finished the set. And I think uh, there were five other people <laughs> at Gazari's on, on that That's night. So and he gets off the uh, stage, and I introduce myself, and I go, you know, I'm, I'm putting a band together. So John, that was Johnny. He was 19 years old, and I got it. I saw his, you know, and at that time, I was playing with both Adrian Vandenberg and Steve Vai. Yeah. So it wasn't like I, I didn't have a proper reference of what a, a great guitar player should be. But I saw that in him. You know, and so we put a band together called Sun King. Now, where Bob Malek comes in is that Bob, well, you know, we brought him in to become our producer for the record that never got made. So the band imploded, but Bob and and John kept working together, and they wrote music and, and produced tracks for like David Lee Roth and a bunch of yes. other artists. And they carried on. <laughs> See, and, and I knew about the David Lee Roth stuff, which I would love to hear any of the Sun King stuff. Because, again, obviously, the kid we're talking about is, you, you know him now as John Five, and he is mm. a phenom, a phenom player. Like, he, you know, it's you've worked with these guys that are so, you know, Carlos was always a great, great player. Uh, yes, and, uh, yes. and then you've got, of course, Randy, which he changed music completely. Yes. And uh, and then guys like John Five, like who were right on the cusp of being that Eddie Van Halen level player. That you know, his yeah. I don't know what's wrong with with uh, with John John with his brain, but he has the ability to. It's almost like he can. He's thinking in one pattern. He's already inside of another pattern because I've never heard anybody switch from bluegrass to blistering metal to this crazy detune stuff with a flawless. You know, it just it just happens. Like nobody can turn the page musically like that. I've just never seen a, a guy be able to do that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, if if you look at his resume, he's played with Jane Wheedland from the Go Go's. Yep. Katie Lang. Katie Lang. Yep. When we're talking about country, Canadian country music, right? Yeah. And Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he, you know, he can play anything. Yeah, but but that's you know what that's like you like when you. You know, you're a kid and you become a musician and you've always been musical, but your family comes here from Cuba and you're going to you're going to strike out in the in the longest long shot of all long shots. A, <laughs> a Cuban born American kid who's going to come here and, and break into that world like that. I mean, Rudy, you know that nobody would have bet on on one giant success, let alone all the giant successes. And it's got to be literally the drive, the heart, and, 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 and most of all, you know, the talent. But, but the heart and the drive are the, are the things you have to have that I think some people lack in this world. Well, yeah, 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 you have to believe, you know. And, and when I say believe, you have to believe, not just focus on, on one or two elements of your life. You have to believe in anything. You have to believe in yourself, you know. Uh, and, and my biggest uh, challenge was actually getting away from the mentality of the people Locally in Miami, from my you know Latin community, musicians telling me, "No, you're never going to make it. This is it. You're going to be playing disco for the rest of your life." Right. And I said, "No, I got. I'm going to get out of here." And mm -hmm. I got out of there, you know, with Frankie. Frankie, uh, uh, 
you know, we moved out to the Chicago area and we started playing out there and putting band, you know, a band together and traveling the country, you know, in a van. <laughs> yeah. Just going from town to town, you know, playing playing covers, and then we move to L.A. You know, you have to do whatever you you have to do. You know, you know? That's, that's how I ended up in L.A. Was I was a kid, and I dropped out of high school in Olathe, Kansas, and I just I remember seeing in the summertime they had this thing called cruising the Fay. It was the local street, and I saw these guys. I go, man, didn't you leave school like four years ago? But they're still doing this loop. And it was just so yeah. obvious to me, this loop. They'd drive down the street, go through a parking lot, come back down, go through another parking lot, and they would look to make a connection with another human being or whatever it was. And, I just, and it was like a ton of bricks. I was like, I got to leave. If I don't leave, I'm, I'm just, all that's going to happen is I'm going to meet a girl. She's going to get pregnant. I'm going to live here for the rest. Like, there'll be nothing. I, I, I will never escape the loop, the never-ending Ardan St. Santa Fe loop. So I packed up yeah, but- a couple hundred bucks, and I ended up living with the guys down by uh, the Musicians Institute, at La Palmas, next door to Paul Gilbert and uh, on Yucca Street. I know exactly where that is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, Johnny? You know, as, as as I, you know, go around the states, you know, you know, talking with radio personalities, you are unique. You're, there's nobody else like you. That's really, I mean, we're having say. this conversation, and it's it's friend to friend conversation. You know what I mean? You're very personable. You you are you're family. You're part of the musical family. You're, you're not just somebody who you know is actually there playing our music. You are part of our music creation process. Well, I, I, it means the world to me for you to say that, and that really does. Because I was a kid, it's and true, you know, and you know this. Like I just wanted to be part of it. I didn't know what part. I didn't care. It just it was the only thing that moved me in my life. Like. I would just, I love music, I love the albums, I love the bands, I love going to the shows, and I just knew, I just I just wanted to be a part of the machine somehow, some way. So yeah, we all find our way, and if you're lucky, you get to meet people like yourself, Rudy Sarzo, Kevin Debro, Carlos, Frankie, you know, all of these wonderful people that were so important to you, and still, as we go through this life, you, you, you realize they're even better than you imagined they could be. And that's, that's the thing, that money gets spent... Everything passes by, time goes by, but the one thing you always have is memories, and I and I they, they, I hold them closer all the time. I am so looking forward to giving you a brotherly yes. hug when yes, I sir. see you in July. Yes sir. yes, sir. Yes, sir. Look, I love you, Rudy. I can't wait to see you in July. I'll be at that show for sure. As the rest of the world will be July 29th, Ameristar Casino. And by the way, we're talking about a book. If you haven't read Off the Rails, it's it's you can't even say you're a metal fan if you haven't read it. You you have to go get it. It's it's fantastic, man. I love I've read it twice, Rudy, just so you know. I'm gonna bring you a fresh copy. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, my friend. The great love you too. Rudy Sarge. <laughs> Hold on, Rudy, stay right there. Hold on. He's such a incredibly yes everything. He is everything. <laughs> all of it. That I mean, that's not just because he's nice to us. I mean, no, you nobody can dispute the the pedigree of Rudy Sarzo. I mean, it's just as good as it gets. He's as he's as as big as as accomplished as 
as any any other bass player you can you can you can talk about. Well, before he came on the air, like that's the funny conversation that we had because you told me about the John Lowry about the John Five stuff. Yeah, and we were talking about it off the air. And he was laughing, but I said that you see that circle of dudes like you who, you know, when I was a kid, it was the biggest deal ever. I had the metal health. I had the mask on my wall. Biggest deal ever. And for you guys to have come in and been so nice and be exactly what you, what we wanted you to be. Yes. And it just makes you that much bigger. You were already a God in my mind. Now you're that much bigger and yeah. then I'm, and then and it, that's it. Really, better than you, better than you ever thought. Yeah, better than any human should be in that kind of state, in that kind of status. I, well, because when I first met Kevin, the band was kind of apart. In fact, it was very apart. <laughs> and uh, it was just Frankie at the time. It was Frankie and Kevin and some other players. And uh, and over time, uh, Rudy had come back and Carlos come back, and so it was the original, the real, you know, the the, the original. And it's always. It's always going to be quiet, right? But there's something special, obviously, about sure. that. That group, yeah. And I'll always remember getting, and I've been friends with a couple of guys for quite a while already, but I walked on the bus and realized I just walked on the bus and they were all sitting in the front. <laughs> and I was like, Carlos Cavazzo, Rudy Sarzo, Frankie Benali, and Kevin Debro. God damn. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like yeah, I mean, I went 12 years old. Like, I was like, I went from confident to like, I don't even know what to say. I'm too stupid to even be here. I should leave right now. I should I go could, away. I shouldn't even be on there. I'm just going to go home I right now. I can just see you going, thank you. Yeah, just walking but, away. But he's, he's such a thoughtful dude. Because as we're having that talk, I'm like, and you see how it's all a giant circle. Like when you talk about working with John yeah. Lowry, with John Five, you know, and I told him the story of when we were backstage, when you got us backstage at the Rob Zombie show, and Jackson was only, my son was maybe six years old, seven maybe, Something like that. Anyway, at Rob Zombie and John Five was so nice to him and so good to him and knew, you know, that we were fans or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to go put my makeup on and I'm going to come back and I'm going to be real scary. Mm-hmm. But I still want to take a picture with you and I want you to hold my guitar. Like he was so good to Jackson. Yeah. And so I said, you see how like that whole circle of yeah. you're nice to a kid one time and that dude would do he'll be he's a fan for life. And you see how that is. And then Rudy said, he goes, because I'm a fan, dude. Because yeah. I get it. I go to the whiskey or I go to places and I see dudes that I... And you go, oh, yeah. you're awesome. Yeah, and you're the best. And it makes me worship that dude forever. But we see, here's the problem. Uh, people start referring to people's music as product. Uh, other musicians fold their arms and they, stu- they don't clap. And they're afraid, they're afraid that somehow it diminishes them, other musicians, to clearly enjoy another musician. And if you're a great, like a Rudy... It doesn't. That doesn't. You don't care. It doesn't occur to you. We've talked about this with comedians as well. Like when you compliment, when you take the time and you genuinely compliment others here and there when you find them. Yeah. That just makes you so much more kick-ass. Let alone you're a fan, like you're saying on top of it. You ain't afraid. When you hear Rudy say, "I was a fan of Quiet Riot before I was in Quiet Riot. I was a fan before," because a lot of dudes get in it, resent what makes them great. Yeah. And then they, they, like you talk about folding your arms, they fold their arms and like, nah, that's... I don't want to talk I, about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> and, and the greats are like him. Like, it's just really, it, it's, it is amazing. And uh, But he is one of those people that, like, he, the, you know the reason he's still doing great and still uh, alive and healthy and, and sounds like a million bucks is because that very thing. He's appreciative, he's in love with it, and he's a fan. Yeah. And, and I hope that I never don't, I hope I never sound on the radio like I'm not a fan. Because... I'd rather much. I'd rather get a million texts of somebody going, "Oh, you're swinging from their balls." Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, they're swinging good. from their balls. Because, well, no, it's it's just real super easy. I'm a super fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is just that simple. 
you want me to act too cool? Like I'm one of them? I'm not. Mm-mm. I'm a kid who got lucky enough to talk to them. And God forbid, like, dude, if you think I don't show people, if I get a text from somebody, I go, look at this. Yeah, right I show everybody here. and yeah. save, save my voicemails. Yes. But Rudy, that's what makes Rudy great. Rudy's the type of dude that you would be so excited to meet him and sit down and talk to him. And if Robert Plant walked by, <laughs> Rudy would be the one to go, Oh yes, that's Robert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's uh, what a what a wonderful guy, man. Make sure you go to the show. Quiet Riot, the Ameristar Casino, Friday, July 29th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 